Welcome into a very special NBA preview sport ball pod brunch edition. It's your boy Sam Watch. with me as always are Seth and Kyle. We're recording this midday. This is maybe the first midday recording we've had. We came prepared with mimosas, so that should probably impair our analytics, which aren't that good anyway. Improve, I would say. <laughs> How are we doing today, boys? I'm good. Yeah, I'm uh, just entranced by watching uh, Tiger Woods and his son play golf. His son is outrageously good, and he's like eight years old. Hmm. Tiger Woods and his son are playing golf right now? Yeah, there's uh, every year, like the last tournament before the end of the year, um, it's just like a, a father-son tournament. So a bunch of pro golfers, and if they have kids, their kid play with with them as their partner and charlie woods is just lighting it up he just hidden just made an eagle they didn't even what? use tiger they didn't even use they're playing a scramble so you take the best ball at each you know after each yeah. shot they use charlie's ball for the entire hole <laughs> he's eight and he got an eagle on like a pj level hole well he's not playing from the back tees like everyone else he's playing from the front tees but i mean but i mean still yeah yeah <laughs> I've never been entranced by anyone playing golf, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. If by entranced you mean that I take naps to them, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trancing dreams while I'm, it's, the screen is on. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is our big NBA preview pod, which we promised. Well, we so had a big preview pod. Did we not? I mean, we we did. We had season. two NBA pods. An but I told big our listeners pod. on the last podcast that there would be an NBA preview pod coming out this week and here it is uh we're recording it on a saturday if you would believe it because i'll be in the woods by myself away from everyone for the next week by yourself in the woods (laughs) i feel like neither of those things are true yeah you know that book in the woods by whatever that guy is hatchet that's what i'm gonna you mean what's that the book hatchet you ever read that no not that one into the woods you know like the by the philosopher it doesn't matter um the musical yeah. <laughs> so this will drop on Thursday, which I believe is opening day or near there. So this will oh, be Tuesday right. Tuesday was opening day. Yeah, Tuesday. So this will be right about when the NBA season starts. I know you all will be craving that NBA content, so you're welcome in advance. We have to start this podcast as we had to start every podcast, apparently, with James Harden. I like how we start every NBA podcast with James Harden. You guys hate him. <laughs> yeah it's disgusting it's kyle's it's kyle's dream and our nightmare uh so since we last spoke i believe the last time we spoke a couple weeks ago about the nba we said you know Harden wanted to be traded to the nets philly was also an obvious option um it's come out since that houston is exploring other options besides just the nets and philly which i feel like wasn't really breaking news obviously if they're doing their job they should be doing that um, I mean, I feel like the best offer on the table, if it is on the table, is still Ben Simmons. I don't think anyone's going to beat that. Um, maybe there's a team we're not thinking about, a la the Raptors and Kawhi, right? So we'll see about that. But perhaps more news was made off the court as when training camp started, Harden was thousands of miles away at clubs and at parties not attending training camp he has since reported um but seth we'll start with you 
thoughts about his off the court behavior and this um, and on the court where you see this trade value going moving forward? Yeah, I think it's a bit concerning from a, um, a leadership perspective, like not being a training camp. I think you could argue that's defensible because he's made it clear that he doesn't want to be a part of the team. So that's just him like trying to get traded. I think what is <clears throat> more concerning is that he, you know, is at all these like packed venues without a mask during a pandemic. Um, which obviously that's a whole other thing, um, but just seems pretty reckless. And it feels like the NBA is legitimately working hard to protect their players and develop good protocols. And James is kind of like screwing all of them. Now, I mean, now he's like apparently quarantining and has to wait, has to get like seven negative yeah, he's tests back in, in the a team. row. He's back in the, the right. rocket bubble. Right. So I just think, you know, all of this stuff with Harden has created this kind of polarizing. You've got your two camps of like pro Harden people and anti Harden people. And I think. And both those camps are present here today on this podcast. Right. <laughs> how how Harden became so as polarizing as like yeah. four LeBron James against LeBron James arguments, too, is kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, think like what what we really want to make clear is that I think we all agree on this podcast at least that he's a terrific player on the court, um that he's an incredible scorer, that he's got this very lethal step back three pointer that very few people have, um that he's a good distributor playmaker. But I think as we've seen, he's unreliable at best in the playoffs. And you expect your best player, someone you invest in as much as the Rockets invested in Harden and created the whole offense around him, you expect him to continue to lead the team on the court in the playoffs. And I would want a player of that caliber to be leading my team in the locker room and otherwise as well. And I just feel like through this whole debacle with demanding the trade, um, even after it feels like to me, the team has done everything it could have done to like cater to James Harden's needs and except letting getting rid or Maury leaving and getting rid of Dan Tony and not seeing eye to eye with the current owner. Right. It sounds like the current owner is a dick. And so maybe if that is just like, like I think relating it back to any workplace, right. If like any, anyone should have the ability to get out of a work situation that they don't like. But I was thinking back to like comparing it to the office. I feel like. Obviously we should have expected this, right, Cal? <laughs> it's kind of like when, and you guys can tell me if you think this analogy is fair or not, but it's like when Dunder Mifflin was restructuring and they wanted to keep Josh Porter, regional manager of the Stanford branch and dissolve the Scranton branch. And then Josh leveraged his offer, that offer from Dunder Mifflin to get a senior management position at Staples. And then Jan is like, damn it, Josh, this whole thing was built around keeping you. And he's like, sorry, it's done. Now, 
we don't really know the intricacies of what James Harden's communication with the Rockets was like. But if I was a Rockets fan, I'd just feel like, okay, we built this whole team around you. Um, and now you're just saying, fuck it, I'm out. We we did the Westbrook trade because that's what you wanted from what we can tell. And that didn't work out. And then you kind of were absent in the playoffs again, didn't come through like we needed you to. And now you're just going to say, you know, I'm going to use all of the inflated stats that I've gotten from playing in this system to demand a trade and go somewhere else. Um, when like, and then kind of leave the Rockets like in a really difficult situation because their whole team was built around having James Harden. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that kind of thing that makes me dislike him, but it's also like I don't it's know. Player empowerment, it's a whole right? player talk empowerment about all the conversation. Time, all the like I think that he should be able to have a job where he where he wants to, but I also think I don't know if he was a stand up guy, he would be acting a little bit differently, and certainly not be like going to wild parties without masks i think i mean so i think what we all agree on here is that obviously he's a great player um obviously he's an elite scorer i think where we differ is that seth and i wouldn't really want to have him on our team and kyle would i think we all understand how i understand you guys don't i get i don't know i guess i don't know if you don't like him but he's still a top 10 player in the NBA. How, how do you say you wouldn't want him on your team? Obviously. I mean, would I well, want him over a replacement lever player? Like, yeah, but yeah. I'd rather have someone like Damian Lillard, who's not as good of a scorer, but I know. Well, I like these teams that do want James Harden, you don't think any of them should trade for him? I think that, um, like if you were the GM of, you were the GM of Philly, you were the GM of, uh, Brooklyn, you were the GM of Miami you don't think any of them should trade for them if you Philly, I would definitely trade for him because with two non-shooters and Ben and Joel, I think Harden would just fit our team better. And I feel like Ben took a three the other day and uh, the Nets. No, unless it's just straight up for Kyrie. Um, The, the heat. That's a tough one. I would probably say no. Why? Because they made it to the, if you could trade some of the things I've seen, it's either like, Duncan, um, Hero, and then a shit ton of picks, or Hero and a shit ton of picks. They're not giving up both. The Heat really don't want to give up Duncan. They're more apt to give up Hero, it sounds like. If you can give up Hero and say picks from the next five years. If I could do that, I would do it for sure. Especially considering they have the infrastructure there where they don't really need Harden to be the locker room guy. Like, Mm. Mm -hmm. they're they're fine with that regard. And I don't think... I mean, I think Houston would – it would be malpractice for them to accept only Tyler well, Hero and Pitts I think it would be – yeah, I think so. that was one of those teams where they were also talking about including a third team so they can get some additional players back. You know what I'm guessing? And obviously I don't have any insider inf- info. I'm guessing that Philly was like, okay, we'll give you – Ben. not that they've like really, really talked about it, but like just in casual conversations they were like – okay, we'll give you Ben Simmons straight up for Harden, but we're not throwing any picks. And then Houston's like, all right, why don't we float out there that we're looking at other offers? And that's what the news broke, that they're talking to other teams besides filling the nets. I think they're trying to push them to throw in a couple picks with Ben. But, I mean, 
obviously Ben is the best thing on the table. We all know that. Like if that's, if that's going to be offered, then that's what they should take. And I, I would do that for both sides. I would. Um, the Heat, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's a better player than Hero and Duncan Robinson. But you think of a man that's the opposite of Heat culture, which we just fucking had a nauseating amount of talk about through the bubble. <laughs> and he's you put that man in Miami, the hotbed of nightclubs, where and you put him on a team where they have to report their body mass index their fat percentage every week and you think that's gonna fit well he's not fat that <laughs> picture was fake news <laughs> I i'm don't just think saying there's, there's no other all bullshit anyways i don't think that matters but I, and i yeah i don't know it's like is the heat culture quote unquote strong enough to withstand james harden or i think so i don't think i really don't think well i I guess that's the two extremes. I don't think there's any in between. It's either he, if he goes there, he either completely buys in to Bam and Jimmy's, you know, demeanor and what they're going to throw at him, or he's just going to be lazy, which I don't think he is, but he's not going to buy into it. And they're just going to completely disown him. And then he pulls a Jimmy from Minnesota at one of the practices when he demands a trade from Miami and yeah. just, in, he'll play with the, the third string team. No one else will touch the ball and Harden will drop about 50 points and, and beat the, the A team. And then he's out. I got to say, I'm just done with Harden as a person. Like, Maybe okay, as a so, person. So, okay, your team, this report came out, we, which we all kind of knew that like he decides personnel, he decides coaching, who's coaching the team. He decides when they practice. He decides if they stay in a city longer because he wants to party there. And we know that he can come off, you know, a party episode and still drop a 50 point triple double. I'm not disputing that, but just having all these things catered to you and then you demand a trade and they're like, all right, we're working on it. But like, you got to come here and like, if you come play, that's going to just help us make a trade. And he throws a fit and goes and parties on both coasts in a fucking pandemic without any mask on. Like, He's just throwing a fit. And it's like he's not the only person doing that, though. It's just he's the biggest. You know, I feel like it's we see on social media all the time all these rich folk doing the same thing. It's just it's a you know if if that's the lifestyle you live, it's a completely different than what us as normal people expect. It's just how it is. Yeah, he's not the only one, obviously, but I don't know. I just and like Seth said, like. I'm all for players getting out of bad work environments. And we know this owner isn't the best. It's just, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I've just lost some respect with him the way he's acting, I guess, you know, you guys have never had respect from him in the first place. <laughs> it just dipped further, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see as far as on the court. I think that, that, um, that Philly trade would be the most exciting for the league. I think just as a fan. Yeah, I, I'm just like all in on Harden on either of those three teams I listed, Brooklyn, Philly, or, or Miami. I need it. I don't think Miami. I don't. I don't see that happening. If I'm Houston, I'm saying, all right, sure, I'll trade you Harden. Give me Bam Adebayo, and Miami is going to say no. And yeah, I think I, anything I other than that would be. I'm just saying from. But there have been rumors for sure. Right, yeah, the rumors. Those are the three teams that I would be, yeah, as a Harden fan, most excited about. 
I mean, I just think that they're just talking to the other, these other teams to get the Ben Simmons offer up. Like, I mean, that's what I would be doing if I were them. Yeah. So I would love Sam. You've talked about this. This is your like biggest wish as a basketball fan, but especially with how good Christian Wood has looked in preseason, how good Christian Wood has been for like the last three years, and no coach yeah. has just decided. To yeah, and the having having Ben Simmons on that team. I mean, even if Harden stays and like decides to care, that would still be great for Christian Wood. But having Ben on that, like throwing him alley oops and stuff, like I think, I think Houston would be I a know, fun yeah. team to watch. Even Houston would Harden be a really fun leaves, team to watch if that if happened. They get ben back. Yeah, if they had Ben, like John Wall's three pointer has looked great in the preseason too. There's, I guess, when he has been rehabbing, he was working on his three point shot while he had to boot. On. What that's else? Like all do, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all he did. Obviously, we know Boogie could shoot the three. Christian Woods has a three-point shot too, and he can honestly handle the ball like a guard. It's crazy with how tall he is, how good he is with the, with the Let's, ball. Uh, it's, I'm glad we're talking about this because we might as well just use this to transition to our most interesting players because he's one of mine, not Wood, but Ben Simmons. Um, so we thought we'd we'd each talk about three of our most interesting players to watch this year in the 2020-21 season, which we might as well just call it the 2021 season, right? There's like eight days in 2020. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so this could be because, you know, they're in a new situation. We want to see how it works out. We think they could improve from last year, whatever it might be. Um, so one of mine was Ben Simmons because, as you know, I love Ben Simmons. He's probably – he honestly might be my third favorite player behind LeBron and Big Honey. I don't know. He's definitely up there. For ben me. Simmons. Yeah, dude. He's just well, I love lefties, even though he probably should shoot righty. And this man is I love defenders and passers, as you know. That's really what gets me going. And he's I think he should have been a defensive player of the year candidate. And he's I think this is the year where he he wins it. Yeah. And he's a lead passer and rebounder, as we know. And the man is like basically magic Johnson in transition. I mean, like this so like Seth said, my number one wish as an NBA fan is to have him on his own team without Embiid. So I think if I would love to see him on Houston, if that happens, even if he stays on Philly, I'm still really interested to watch him this year. You know, they, they brought in Seth Curry and Danny green, which are on their face, worse players than Al and Josh Richardson, but the fit is much are. better. Uh, but than uh, Al probably, I don't think they're worse. I mean, Seth Curry is better than Steph Curry. So he he's knows the best of that bunch. He's I mean, effects. Seth Curry is an elite shooter, one of the best of all time, but he also doesn't can't dribble or defend. So, and Danny Green is what forty one now. So, I think they're clearly. I mean, they're clearly a better fit, as we know. But the thing is interesting, and this was a good shooting team last year, just by the numbers. There, there is seventh in the league in three point uh, percentage and sixth in percentage at the rim. But they're in the bottom third at shots at the rim and shots at three. So they just didn't take the shots that we want them to take. So I'm kind of thinking from those numbers, it's just like, was Brett Brown just a really bad coach? And we're going to see a real uptick yes. in production with Doc Rivers in there this I year? Think That's we've kind of known what I'm Brett to. Brown is a really bad coach. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking with he the addition made of Doc. Through, yeah, he made it through with the talent. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think with the addition of Doc, like, I'm just really excited to see, you know, even if Ben doesn't get traded to Houston how they unlock Ben and Joel and if they can make it work with some more shooting around them and maybe a little better shot selection. Um, Daryl Morey's been gushing about Ben too. Well, I mean, as he would, but um, yeah. What do you think about that? Kyle, are you excited to, to watch Ben this year? 
I am. Like I said, I think he honestly could, and he's one of my top three players and who should win the defensive player of the year award this year. Like you said, he's just that good on that side of the ball, but you know, I think you've added more consistent shooters around him. And like Al's not a bad shooter. I think Al's still a really good player. He, his fit on the team just wasn't right with the way they were built. So yeah, um, I think Seth and Danny green are going to open up a lot for him. Um, I, I really hope he starts taking threes. He, I saw a video the other day. It was like a three minute video. He took probably like 23 point shots from the corner. He missed like two of them in practice. Why is he not taking these in a game? He took one the other day. He missed it. Dude, it's because it's not cool to miss threes. It's not cool to miss threes. It's like, <laughs> it's like the Rick Berry free throws. Yes, honestly, we were just listening to, me and Seth were talking about this the other day, just a quick aside, but uh, they had a book of basketball podcast about Rick Berry. And this man was probably the best free throw shooter in NBA history. And he shot underhand. And oh, you would yeah. think you would think other players like Shaq or like whoever would learn from him and do it underhand. And I think of it like uh, the Parks and Rec episode where Ron Swanson is laughing at um, <laughs> is laughing at Tom, Tom for, for bowling for bowling underhand or between his legs. And then at the end, he d- tries and bowls a perfect three hundred, and he's like, ah, "Don't tell anyone." That's exactly how NBA players are. They'd be in the gym shooting underhand free throws, hitting ten out of ten. They're like, ah, "I can't do this. It's it's too embarrassing to do it in a real game." <laughs> yeah, I mean, geometrically, it's better. It's yeah. Like- with the arc on the ball and everything but um but yeah i mean i think ben has talked about wanting to incorporate into his game on his own timeline um and yeah i don't know i i think part of it is there's so much pressure and so much attention on him to shoot threes now it's kind of backfiring and we just have to let his game evolve how it will and yeah, having him on his own team would be awesome to see for sure. All right, Kyle, who's your who's your first most interesting player? Um, so I don't know if it's really that interesting, but well, then uh, why'd you put it down? <laughs> it's interesting to me. Uh, I'm I'm going with Bam Adebayo, obviously, right? He's a stogie, but I have to do it. But I can already tell think... Kyle just took this opportunity to talk about players he likes. Um. <laughs> uh, just from the couple preseason games we watched, right? We saw obviously last year and, and how much of how important Bam is to the offense. But um, the couple preseason games already this year, he's touching the ball like even more than he was in the playoffs last year. Like he is the primary ball handler essentially in this offense now. So I'm really interested to see. Like I think he might be able to flirt with the triple double an average, a triple double. And I don't know if a lot of people, like he's, you think I'm crazy, but it, I don't know, think that's that crazy. Seth just laughs. So I assume he thinks I'm crazy, but um, I think with just, you know, the shooters around him, like we saw last year, as long as no one gets worse, right. He's going to have those opportunities for, to get open threes for, uh, for hero, for Duncan, for whoever, um, He's their their main rebounder on the team, and if he's going to be touching the ball that much, he's gonna he gets easy opportunities at the rim too when he's you know 
running a pick and roll with Jimmy or whoever. So I honestly think Bam flirts with, if not gets to average a triple double this year. And I don't know if the world is really ready or expecting that. I could see him putting up like a Jokic, like, like, right. uh, it wouldn't be anything big. It would probably, it would be like an 11 point, maybe 9.8 rebounds a game and nine assists or something. So I think he gets close. I don't know if he breaks it, but. I would be I think, surprised if he got to average more than seven assists. I mean, Jokic yeah, I averaged seven assists. Yeah. Are you, like, you tell me Bam's going to be a better passer than Jokic this year? I don't know. Seems like a lot. Do I, I honestly think... I know, that's why, it's Bam, a hot take, I think. But that's why he's yeah. also one of my most like interesting players to watch this year because I think the potential is there. I was going to say, I think he might be underrated, honestly, because... He still is underrated. He's a unicorn. I know. <laughs> he was the best player in a conference finals. He just was. And, like, how many players can you say that about, right? Probably maybe, a lot in history. <laughs> maybe, like, I know, right now, maybe, like, 10 could be that. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm i looking for a big season for him, too, and I'm, I'm excited to watch him play with this Heat team. Seth, who's your, who's your first interesting player? Mine is a gentleman who is recently a very rich man, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm. Um, really interesting. Talking about overrated, underrated. Uh, the man is a back-to-back MVP. Very few players have done that in history. And in many ways, he's the mirror image, the foil of James Harden if you will, the two players having been vocal both about like disliking each other. And he decided, you know, when Harden is requesting a trade, Giannis then signs a five-year deal with the Bucks. Um, but I think his, his stock really went down in the playoffs and rightfully so. And I'm curious to see how the addition of Drew Holiday and some of the players leaving, um, how that'll impact their depth and whether that means that Coach Bud will actually start playing his star players 38, 40 minutes a game. Um, If Giannis will develop any kind of mid-range shooting touch, if not not three-point shooting touch, um, the preseason, the three-point shot is not there yet. I will tell you that. For sure. Yeah, so, I mean, and it's like I could see him just repeating what he did last year in the regular season and the Bucks being the number one seed. And it's like, does he win MVP again? I feel like there's no chance because he just won it twice in a row and then his team hasn't succeeded in the playoffs and to a large part playoffs don't matter. due to him. Right, but – it, it shouldn't matter according to the 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 way that the MVP award is structured, but I think it does matter to the voters, and yeah. the voters are going to have a hard time saying, "All right, yeah, three P MVP after what he's done in the playoffs the last two years." Definitely. But I think it's also like, yeah, the, we'll we'll talk about MVP later, but the metrics on what that award means like change so much and are different for every voter so it's i like mean it's all based on narrative like a lot of it's yeah. subjective but yeah. yeah i think i think um it's interesting because i've heard some people talk this off season about how 
they're really trying to get Giannis to shoot threes, and maybe that doesn't matter as much as we think it does. Like, sure, he should shoot a couple a game, but, like, it's kind of like with Ben Simmons. It's like, even if he shoots them, even if he shoots a reasonable clip, the defense is still not going to bend to act like he's a shooter. So it doesn't really matter. Um, What he really needs is a go-to shot in the playoffs. Like, um, like where's his spot in the playoffs that he can get to and feel comfortable hitting a mid range. Like we see Kawhi do, like we see LeBron do. That's what you really need in the playoffs. Um, So that'll be interesting to see. It's also funny. I think that like this happens with every player. It hasn't happened yet with like Luca, but it'll probably happen where we love them. We're like, ah, this player is so great. I love watching them. And then once they hit like 27 and they haven't won a championship, we're like, okay, can he do it? Like we just turn on them. And yeah. I mean, we have reason to with Giannis. I think that he hasn't performed well in the playoffs, but it's just funny how we, how we handle this, you know, a couple of years. That'll be bam. Exactly. Yeah. Jump shots. <laughs> not reliable. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, what do you think about Giannis this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really any way for him to improve his game unless he's not improving on his jump shot. (laughs) Everything else is already really good, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. And the thing is, is like, I know it's just preseason and there's only a few games and he missed the last one, but he hasn't shown any inclination in preseason that he's gotten any better at those shots still. So, I mean, the cast around him now, uh, I feel better about than last year so that's going to help his case just you know you have better players around you you end up playing and looking better so (laughs) but I just just himself without developing a somewhat consistent three-point shot or jump shot I don't know how much better he can actually get yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, okay, let's move on to my next most interesting player, who is none other than Kevin Durant himself. Dude looks back to normal. Right? I feel like it's a pretty obvious one, but also I just feel like we don't talk about it enough. Like this yeah. was he was the best player in the league when he went out went down. He just was. Okay. I mean, this was two years ago. I looked up the wrong. numbers. He was fucking averaging thirty two points on fifty five, forty four, ninety shooting in the playoffs before he went is that down. Good? That's fucking insane. And we're not just talking like this man is, he was the best player in the league and already probably, I think he's already a top 15 player all time. Could, you know, with the projection he was on before the injury was probably going to go into that top 10 in the Kobe, Tim, Oscar Robinson area. Yeah. Yeah. And he tore his fucking Achilles and, you know, and like that's, and, but if he, if he comes back, like he looks great in the preseason. Okay. It's preseason. Let's see if he can hold up the whole season. But if he's 90% of the player he was when he went down, I think we should be taking the Nets more seriously as a championship contender. Yeah. I I mean, I obviously ranked them to be first in the East under the premise that I thought Harden would be there. Also wasn't really expecting KD to look back to like 100% healthy, normal KD that we're used to. But I mean, he, it's only one or two game sample size in the preseason, but he played 25 and 30 minutes and he looked like that. That's a scary team in the East. They got depth too. Karis Levert coming off the bench, even like he's not even starting now. You have Karis running that second unit. He's most likely going to be out there with either Kyrie or KD at all times when he's on the floor. That's 
just going to be scary to man. Like no matter who's on the floor, there's two deadly players at all times. I feel like. Yeah. I think this team is like no chance they're bad on offense, obviously what could hold them back from real championship contention is their defense. But if they're like a top, I don't know if they're a little better than average defense, like let's say they're 10th or something in defense. Like that's, that's a championship caliber team right there, I think. And that's what the, what people have been saying is the question mark with KD's recovery, because when he was at the Warriors, he was tremendous defensively and he obviously has the length for it. Mm -hmm. So can he have that lateral quickness, that explosion to block shots, that kind of thing um, with the Achilles, obviously he's still going to have the shooting touch that he's always had. So yeah, that's the question, but I'll tell you, watching uh, the Nets-Celtics pre preseason game last night, it did not look good for the Celtics. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I really, I really wish for the Nets that they would do something about the center position. DeAndre Jordan's not it. You just gotta start Jarrett, and you'll be fine. I mean, I don't even does Jarrett really have like even a three? Like, I want them to have a center that has a three-point mm. shot. I would love for them to have Brooke Lopez. Everyone wants that, but there's only like three of them in the league. I guess. I also don't think DeAndre should be starting. It should be Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Jarrett's like only marginally better than DeAndre. I don't know. I mean, he's younger, a little more athletic at this point, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like people are like, you got to start Jarrett. I'm like, they're both fine. I don't know. You know? I just yeah. don't like DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Seth, who's your second most improved player? Or most, not most improved. You fool, most interesting. Yeah. Um, so I think I think for this one, I'm going to go um, – I've been, like, tossing around. I think I'm going to go Paul George, which I've been vocal in the past about disliking Paul George. He is intriguing. That's why I picked him. Um, and so this should – this. I don't mean to cut you off. Before we did this, we should have reached out. This section of this uh, of the podcast should be sponsored by Dos Equis. We're talking about the most interesting <laughs> players in the NBA. Well, it's sponsored by Bird Box, as all of our segments are. So. <laughs> all right, Paul George. Um, yeah. So he's a star in theory, and it's, they brought him to the Clippers to be a star with Kawhi to be a, a two you know, a big two to rival AD and LeBron. And I think like every year, especially with the shortened season and everything, Kawhi is going to be load managed during the regular season. You had the departure of Montrez Harrell. You had the complete just abomination of the Clippers playoff success, lack thereof success. Um, and now I feel like it's like up to Paul George, who was very vocal that he felt like Doc Rivers was using him incorrectly, which just factually was inaccurate what Paul George said. So does he have the ability to step up, um, be the leader of the team on the court and off the court and have a season like he had a few years ago with OKC when he was there with Russ before his injury for his shoulder, where he was actually for the first time in his career, like a top five player in the league. And I, yeah, I'm curious if 
how this whole Clippers team is going to try to bounce back from their playoff exit and what that'll look like, you know, with Paul George. I mean, obviously Kawhi is still there and he'll be playing most of the games, but I think Paul is going to have to step up if they're going to be as good in the regular season as they were last year. And if they want to have a better experience in the playoffs than last year. Yeah. Kyle, what do you think about Paul George this season? I don't know. I'm not saying I'm a believer. I think he could be trash. Yeah. Paul George made a lot of comments over the last couple weeks about how he was, you know, not uncomfortable, I guess, in the office, but he didn't think that Doc, I guess he made it sound like didn't really appreciate him. He was like, he's making me play like a Ray Allen, like just spot up. And it's like, that's not not true. It's not true at all. So it's like, he just wants to have a a scapegoat. It seems like no matter where he's been in his career so far um, for, for his poor performance, when he showed, right. You know, when he was in Indiana, at least for a year or two that he had the caliber to be a top tier two-way player you know, one of the best in the league, but that is just like, I don't know if it's because of the injury uh, or what, but it's just, he hasn't been back to that performance. And now he's just, I feel like no matter where he is making excuses uh, as to reasons why he's not performing the same way. And at, at some point we just have to say, look, playoff P you haven't performed in the playoffs ever. That's why we call you pandemic P because you're ass and, you know, everyone hates you just like they hate the pandemic. I feel like, like, I think the biggest problem with the Clippers that we don't talk about enough, and I still think they'll be the second best team in the West, but come playoff time is they don't, they don't have any leadership. Like I hear, I hear a lot of people say that Paul George should be more like Scottie Pippen, right? He should be the secondary guy, elite defensively, take your chances when you get them, but the offense isn't running through you necessarily. Okay. We know you could be averaging 28 points on your own team. You're obviously not Kawhi. How can you defer to him? That's fine basketball wise, but just leadership wise, MJ was a certain type of leader and Scotty was mm-hmm. a certain type of leader, right? Yeah. You know, players knew they could go to Scotty for a more, more, I don't want to say coddling, but like kind of supportive, you know, leadership structure and MJ would just kick them in the ass. Right. You see the Lakers now, LeBron and AD are perfect fits personality-wise, right? LeBron is the alpha leader. We know he's a great leader. And AD is more of a follower, and he's he's comfortable with AD or with LeBron leading the team. Then you look at the Clippers, it's like Kawhi is not vocal, as we know. Right? Yeah, who is the leader on that team? Exactly. Kawhi is, is not Patrick vocal. <laughs> Kawhi is not vocal, and Paul George is out here just making excuses. You know, I think if Paul George had said – I understand the circumstances, you know, in the bubble were less than ideal, but it's on me that we did so poorly. I need to be better. I think that would help them a lot. And I just don't know who's that person on their team saying things like that. Right. So I think that's a big problem for them. Yeah, I agree completely. Kyle, why don't you hit me with your next most interesting player? My next player, none other than OG Ananobi. He's just we named all love Stogie him. Boys. We knew he would do this. <laughs> this is the year that these guys really, though, you know, transcend what we've expected. 
No, really though. I think um, OG is just another guy that's really going to have a breakout season. Like we saw it, I feel like kind of happening in, in the playoffs last year, right? He, he held the clamps right for against Boston. Um, he did a really good job. I know. So I see Seth's face. Held uh, the clamps, you say. Yeah. <laughs> Clamped him down. I don't know what the correct terminology is. You know what I'm saying though. Um, I think we know he's really great defensive player. I think he's probably a top five wing defender in the NBA. Probably. Um, he had his moment in the playoffs last year against Boston, that three point shot, you know, that's just one of those tipping points where it's like, maybe he can do something. Right. I, I think that kind of brought more people's attention to who OG is. Um, but now with the departure of Ibaka too, I think they're going to be running a lot more small ball lineups. Um, and he thrived in that situation last year when Ibaka and Orgasol were off the court. Um, he averaged like, I, obviously it's not a huge sample size, but I think his per 36 um, when there was no center in the game um, was like 18.7 rebounds and like four assists. If they're going to be running small ball a lot more, he's also been working on his, uh, on his jumper with uh, Matt Thomas from the team who, you know, everyone's like, Oh my God, who's Matt Thomas. Right. He's a pretty deadly three-point shooter. He just, you know, the Raptors are deep. They don't necessarily need him. I think he's going to play a lot more this year. He always plays well for me in 2K, I will say. (laughs) Yeah, he's just got that wet jumper. That's just him. And if OG's going to be working with someone to improve that aspect of his game too, honestly, sky's the limit. And, you know, it's it's Toronto. It's Nick Nurse. Uh, They're going to make the playoffs. And I, I think he's just one of the players that, you know, what was it, two years ago we saw... Fred Van Vliet in the playoffs kind of take off. And ever since then, now, you know, that's who Fred Van Vliet is. I think that's kind of the trajectory that we have with OG right now is in the playoffs this past year. He really impressed a lot of people. And I think this is the year now where we see him take a huge leap um, in, in, in the game. So what you're basically doing is a list of your projected most improved players, which we all knew he would have it. I mean, I think he's intriguing too. Yeah. I think that, I think that it's another one. Like if I trust any organization to keep, um, to keep a player improving and basically reaching their potential ceiling, it would probably be Miami. It would be the Raptors. Right. I mean, those are the best teams that we've seen just improving um, internally. So I think he's going to be another one of those projects like Siakam, like Van Vliet that they just help reach their full potential. And I'm excited to watch them this season as well. I think, I don't know. People, people are all over on the Raptors. I feel like some of them are like, they're going to be a lower seed, you know, seven, eight, maybe in the play in. Some people are like, they're going to be up there with the top four teams. I just think this team always, they always go over expectations. Right. So I still How expect Nick them nurse to be... sneak into like being one of the most elite coaches in the NBA, just like under our nose without anyone really making a fuss about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that they'll still be like a top four or five seed because they are every year. That's just what they do. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's hit our third players pretty quickly here. We'll really breeze right through them. Um, I'll, I'll start. So I kind of cheated with this last one. It's two players as we all knew I would, but you'll notice that it's the same theme for both of them. So uh, I guess. call my, what's that? I'm going to guess it's Zion and John Moran. No, 
Damn. I call my third most uh, interesting player the Anthony Davis package, a.k.a. Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. Um, mm. And the That's theme for cool. both of them is can they keep up their three-point shooting? So both of these players early in their career, we know that Lonzo, he's he's been one of my favorite players as well. I think I just like players that can't shoot. He <laughs> He's always been a lead at defense, maybe took a step back this year, but a great passer and rebounder. And his three-pointer has always been his biggest question, right? And suddenly last year, he became a volume three-point shooter. This was a guy that the last two years shot an average of 32%. This year, he was 38% on six attempts per game. I mean, that's an elite three-point shooter, right? Same with Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram was the most improved player last year. And you know why? It was solely because of his three-point shooting. Uh, I mean, look I at this guy. Solely about La- that, but that was a big part. No, listen to this. Last year, he was 18-5-3 on 33% from three, right? 1.83 point per attempts per game. So you're talking two years ago. Elite from two-point percentage. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the 2018-2019 season. Elite two-point percentage, 52%, right? All right, let's fast forward to this year, his most improved player year. This past year. T- correct. 24-6-4. and four. Three-point percentage went up to 39%, and his attempts went up to 6.2 per game. Okay, so now this is a volume elite three-point shooter. Well, how was his two-point percentage? It went down to 50%. So the only difference in his game this year to last is that he shot three-pointers better. And that was why he was the most improved player in the league. So my question is, can these two sustain this huge leap in three-point percentage? Like, they both just became volume three-point shooters overnight. Can they keep that up this year? Because we know that's a question with this team when you have two non-shooters in Zion and Steven Adams on the floor. And I think that's going to be a big question for if the Pelicans can make the playoffs this year. Obviously, I think they can. I'm just high on the on the Pelicans, uh, just like you. Big fan of Lonzo and have been. He's another one of those players where, like, if he wasn't surrounded, I guess, by other um, high touch players, he'd be in the conversation I think every year to have the opportunity to average a triple double too. That's just the type of player he is. I'm I'm with you. I he's an extremely interesting player considering what you just said. Like he he improved rather lar- a good amount last year. Can he keep it up? Especially under yeah. new coaching, right? Yeah, Seth, what do you think? I'm out on Lonzo. I'm in on Ingram. I would say, so Lonzo looked awful in the bubble, right? Correct. I would say if I were to make a prediction for the Pelicans this year, Lonzo's better than he looked in the bubble. Ingram's slightly worse than he was last year. I don't think he's like a perennial all-star level player. And Zion is just healthy for more games. So they even out to what they were last year and are a, a low be better know, than last year, I think. seven to seven to 10 seed. They make the play and we'll see if they make the playoffs. That's kind of where I see them. Uh, all right, Kyle, give me your third most interesting player. All right. Uh, last player, um, rookie that I wanted the Bulls to draft originally, Isaac Okoro. He has looked really good um, for Cleveland, you know, just a couple playoff or preseason games I've, I've watched. But um, just before the draft, he had that talent uh, that I really wish the Bulls kind of would have targeted great defensive player and the um, 
you know, not consistent in, in college, but showed the offensive ability to be a really good offensive player at the same time. And um, it's going to be tough, I think, in, in Cleveland to command as many touches as I think he probably sh- should get um, because just, you know, Garland and Sexton are just so ball dominant and they suck anyways. Um, I really think Okoro is kind of going to uh, break into the league a lot faster than probably people imagine. He's going to be one of those front runners, I think, for uh, rookie of the year. That thoughts? I know you watch a lot of Kyle's basketball, so. The only reason I know Okoro is because Kyle told me that he's going to be good. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think I don't think he's going to be – I'm just guessing he's not going to get enough touches to be a rookie of the year candidate. But, I don't know, the field's so wide open this year that it's probably just going to be like a player who plays efficiently and, you know, I don't know, like a Malcolm Brogdon type, I would say. Uh, Seth, who's your third most interesting player? My last one is Devin Booker, Phoenix Suns. And you saw in the bubble, obviously Phoenix went eight and zero and still missed the playoffs. Um, and I'm curious to see if they'll be able to sustain that kind of success throughout the regular season. And with the addition of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, um, how that'll impact Devin Booker's development, and if he'll be able to launch himself into the truly elite guards like a Damian Lillard level player um, after he's been kind of like on the cusp the last few years and also like putting up basically good stats, a bad team kind of guy so far. Um, I don't think that's on him. I think he really could be tremendous. And I'm curious to see how playing side by side with Chris impacts um, impacts his numbers and impacts the team's winning. I wonder if you if you say Luca is a point guard, is Devin Booker already the second best shooting guard in the league? Got to be right. Yeah, I guess. It's just Harden and him. I can't think of anyone else as that's. I don't even think Harden's a shooting guard, but. Yeah, right. I guess. who are shooting guards? Is anyone a shooting guard? <laughs> every guard shoots. But not every shot guards. <sighs> This is what okay, you get well, with Moses. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think he would be, yeah. I think All so, right. too. I think he takes the team in a hold, to, takes a big leap. Booker, yeah, I, I think he, Chris is going to open up the floor a lot more for him to, to operate. I'm yeah. really excited to watch this team this year, and I think they're a solid playoff team. I hope Aiton, Aiton showed some you know ability in college to hit the three-point shot. I feel like we really haven't saw that a lot, seen that a lot in uh, – so far since he's been in the NBA. And I really hope, you know, with the addition of, of Cliff Paul, that, uh, that we see him taking more of those. Yeah. Cause if he, if he does, and if he's hitting them, you know, at a decent clip, that's a dangerous team, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited to watch them. All right, let's quickly hit our final prediction for this year. We're going to do MVP work of the year and most improved player. Let's start with MVP. Let me pull up the odds here so we can give our listeners some gambling advice, which I know they crave. Uh, so right now, leader in the clubhouse, Luka Doncic, four to one. Giannis is plus four fifty. Steph is eight to one. Anthony Davis and LeBron are both nine to one. KD twelve to one. That's kind of interesting. 
then it drops from there. You got Lillard, Tatum, Harden, Jokic, Kawhi, Devin, um, all above that 12 to one range. So Kyle, who, who do you think is going to win the MVP this year? And is there a dark horse that you think the betters can, can cash in on? Yeah. Um, so I think front runner's right. I think it's Luca. Um, at some point, you know, as we mentioned, it, if Giannis doesn't develop that three-point shot that he's been working on for the last three years now, and he doesn't really get much better, you know, I don't know how the 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 voters can keep voting him. At some point, that you got to sour on that, right? Uh, in giving the MVP to the same person who, you know hasn't really made any playoffs splashes like Seth has mentioned, even though it shouldn't be baked in it, you know, it is. Um, So I think Luca, the front runner is the right, right guy. My most interesting though, based on, you know, odds and whatnot and, and ability, I think um, you guys are gonna call me a Homer, I'm sure, but it's, it's Jokic, right. With how many games, um, you know, I, I feel like, the the Laker LeBron and AD might take off because of you know the shortened um, off season and whatnot and they just need to make the playoffs essentially. The Nuggets showed us last year, right? They have the ability to be the number one, number two seed if they somehow win and get the number one seed. And Jokic averages his same stat line that he always does, um, and and essentially carries them at those odds, what is he, he's 22 to one. I'm tossing down some, uh, some change on that just for the option opportunity. Is the my only, dark horse. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, I think Luca should be the favorite. And in fact, I've already wagered on him, but the only concern with Luca, I think would be right. Usually goes to a one or two seed. And I just don't see the Mavs as being in the one or two seed in the West. So the only time that's really happened is when Russell Westbrook won it as like the four or five seed, because we all had a little orgasm when he averaged a triple double and they did it for the next two years. No one cared. And (laughs) so that was my only concern with Luka, but I don't think there were people are voting for Giannis. I kind of like AD as a, as a mid range nine to one, just because LeBron will probably take a lot of games off and, I mean, we've seen Anthony Davis do in the playoffs now, so that might intrigue voters into, into voting for him. KD is also interesting, like we just talked about. If the Nets end up being a one or two seed and KD looks like his old self, could be an interesting bet there at 12 to 1. Seth, what do you think for MVP? Yeah, um, I agree with y'all. Um, Luca should be the favorite. Um, I think that Steph and KD would be my two picks who are the favorites. We always would say when they were on the Warriors together, well, neither of them can win MVP because they're on the same team. Well, now they're on different teams, both coming back from injuries. And if either one of them can lead their team to be their one or two seed, especially thinking about narrative, if Durant looks like his old self and the Nets are the number one seed and, you know, he's, 50, 40, 90, like that would be yeah. a pretty damn good comeback narrative, I would say. So mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, definitely. You know what I do want to mention real quick, and I didn't even notice his name. Tell me how Ben Simmons is 100 to 1 to win MVP after like Trey Young and Westbrook. Like, if, if, he, somehow, if he gets traded, 
Well, there's like that, that opportunity. If he gets traded, yeah, then I think his odds to win go, you know, get reduced. Yeah. But um, if he, even if he doesn't, and somehow Philly pulls off the getting the first seed, and yeah. Ben Simmons makes a case for you know like Giannis with the Defensive Player of the Year at the same time, um, hundred to one, that's worth a couple nickels. I mean, he's most valuable in my heart. So uh, let's do Rook of the Year real quick. Odds are all over the place because this is kind of a interesting class of not too many high-end talents. We got LaMelo at 4-1. to one. Anthony Edwards is at plus 450. I wouldn't suggest betting that um, unless you <laughs> are crazy. Uh, Killian, Hayes at, <laughs> Killian Hayes at 6-1. to one. Obi Toppin at 6-1. to one. Wiseman at 6-1. to one. And then it just drops from there. You got Denny and Tyrese, Isaac Okoro, Bull Bull himself. Uh, with some higher odds there. So, Kyle, who do you think is going to win Rookie of the Year this year? It's so wide open. I don't yeah. I understand why LaMelo's the favorite because I think he probably has the easiest path to, um, like, decent playing time. But I think one of the most NBA-ready players was Tyrese Halliburton, who's 15-1. to 1. Um, He doesn't have really a ton of competition, right, outside of De'Aaron Fox. Um, and he's looked good kind of being the thing is he's not the type of player that's like going to put up it, say he got 25 minutes a game somehow. He's not the type of player that's going to put up like 15 points, four rebounds, three, uh, three, four assists or something like a crazy stat line. He's just, he's more of a better, uh, I want to say real life player, like yeah. you know, helping the team instead of like doing something that would lend him to win. Yeah. Um, I told you last night, if given the minutes, I think Devin Vassell is the best bet on the board. He's 30 to one. This doesn't even have to do with odds. I just, those are great odds for that. Um, He was a steal for the Spurs. He kind of landed in an opportune situation too. Uh, It's just a matter of, I guess, how much pop, you know, never is one to really trust rookies and give them too much time. But um, if for whatever reason, Derek White has any setbacks when he's coming back. Keldon Johnson um, has any setbacks when he's coming back. There's a path to real minutes for Vassal. And he's really shown like he deserves to be, it deserves to have playing time from the preseason. He's looked great. I like, um, I like Obi Toppin in this discussion because the Knicks are ass. So they can just play him a bunch of minutes. He's but, an older player who is just a really good scorer, which he, I think he can put up counting stats, and that's really what matters for Rookie of the Year. So I, I like that a little bit. Um, I don't know any of the long shots. Like I don't know. It's just this this class is like I don't know how many. Well, these that's guys the are thing. Get it's minutes. like yeah, but it's at the same time. It's like this is the class to put a couple long shots down on because right. anyone could do it. Anyone could win it. I really have think- no idea who it's going to be, but I will say I did some research and Bol Bol is eligible despite having played games last season. All of the games he played were in the bubble. And since the bubble games didn't count towards last season awards, they're not counting towards this season's uh. awards either. So he did play regular season games, but they were just this within the eight seeding games. So I don't think he's going to win though. I could see Tobin. We'll see. 
Uh, let's finish up with most improved player. So I don't know. This one's wide open. I don't even like understand who wins this award every year, but you got Jamal Murray at 12 to one Shea at plus two, 1250 DeAndre Aiden at 14 to one Michael Porter Jr. at 14 to one Christian Wood at 14 to one. Then it drops from there. Um, there's a lot of names on this list. Kyle, I just already know that you have one in mind. So why don't you just tell me? There's a couple I have in mind. And I think one of the big things you have to think about um, when looking at who could win most improved player, I feel like a lot of times it's like who didn't make an all-star game and now has become an all-star caliber player. Um, that's, I feel like one of the biggest factors, even though it probably shouldn't be. So um the guys that I'm really the top three guys that I think have the chance. Obviously, I mentioned him already in my most intriguing players, OG, OG and Anobi. Um, but my other two, um, Kobe White and Deontay Murray. If Kobe's gonna kind of have the keys to the offense, I think it's gonna kind of be him and, and Levine. Um he's been rebounding at like an outrageous clip to this preseason. Like he's, I think he's averaging like seven rebounds a game and like five assists too, on top of like 20 points per game out of those three or four games, the bulls have played. If that translates at all to the regular season, I think that's, you know, an all-star caliber guard, not starting by any means on the all-star game. But um, I think he's one of those guys that could take that leap. And then Deontay Murray, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I've been high on Deontay Murray, you know, for a while now. Um, not that way. I'm not Do you mean Deontay, Deontay Murray? Murray? Deontay. I thought it was Dejounte. De- However you want to pronounce it. I'm not, you know, you know who he is. The point guard yeah. for the San Antonio Spurs, that guy. Okay. Deontay. I call him Deontay. I, I don't Deontay. like pronouncing the day, the, 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 the J. All right. It's like, like Dijon mustard. I don't. It's what it makes me think about. So I'd rather say Dion. Dion. Yeah, Dion, Dion mustard. mustard. <laughs> I think some of that Dion. <laughs> I think he's just uh, another one of those guys. I like those. I like those. I, I think it's really interesting that Jamal leads his list because he basically averaged the same exact stats last year and the year before, and yet in the I playoffs, think his bubble. Yeah, his bubble. His playoff and bubble performance is really what. Uh, I mean, the man was scoring 50 every other game. I just don't know if that translates to the regular season as much, and I still feel like he'll be pretty much the same player the regular season. I don't know. I think Shea's really interesting. I know he's one of the favorites, but I would put some money on that because with Dennis or with Schroeder gone it's and really Shea's um, team now, yeah, yeah, and CB3 gone, he's got the keys to the offense, and he didn't look great in the in the playoffs, but the regular season, I think he's going to make another step forward. So I would like that one. What do you think, Seth? I like Booker at Eaton. With the Suns looking, if the Suns look nice and Chris a lot elevates of talk their about game, Aiden. yeah, I could see either one of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure we just made you all some money, or lost you some, most likely. Um, so that was our big NBA preview pod, pod brunch edition. So I right. hope you all enjoyed that. I mean, you won't be listening to it at brunch, most likely. Maybe you will be. Not sure. Who knows. <laughs> Christmas Eve brunch and the and the uh, the bad boys of basketball. What more could you ask for? All right, well everyone have a safe and happy holidays and we will talk to you guys in a few weeks. Be blessed. <laughs>